World Bank has added to the gloomy start for 2016 by downgrading the year's forecast for global economic growth because of the widespread ongoing slowdown across the world's major emerging markets. With me to discuss is Simon French, Chief Economist for Pamir Gordon. Simon, of course, China is leading the way, but who else should we look towards? Should we be concerned about all the BRICS? I think it's important right now to look at emerging markets as a differentiated basket. There are, there are sector-specific elements impacting Russia differently to Brazil, differently to South Africa, differently to China, differently to India. And for me, it is a lot to do with the foreign exchange reserves that these countries have, which differentiates them from the situation we last had emerging market problems in the back end of the 1990s, when there were almost non-existent foreign exchange reserves, widespread currency pegs, and capital flight very quickly put pressure on the balance sheets of these countries and led to widespread defaults, currency risk and a, you know, a global downturn. I don't think we're in that same position today because emerging markets, World Bank deserves some credit for this, have been encouraged and have been led by China, by Russia to build up foreign exchange reserves to give them a bigger toolkit to address that capital flight. You look at Russia, it's principally a, a petrochemical play. Your core, whatever your view is on the oil price will determine the long-term trajectory with the Russian economy. South Africa is one of those areas where uh, poor financial leadership, poor industrial leadership is really stifling growth over there. You compare that to China where there is a big toolkit of policy uh, options for the, for, for the leadership. India with a massive demographic um, tailwind to growth, uh, growing now faster for the first time really in two decades than the Chinese economy. So a savvy investor shouldn't bucket all the emerging markets together, but should start to differentiate. And there'll be some valuation opportunities if there is, as there is right now, a short view on emerging markets. There will be some opportunities for those that are not impacted the same way. Well, emerging markets, they grew by 4.3% in 2015. Mm. Now, this is the slowest rate since 2009. Why now? I think it is the stage of the economic cycle we're in. Effectively going into the seventh, in some cases, the eighth year of a bull market. A lot of these countries have borrowed extensively in principally in dollars, but also other uh, developed market uh, currencies. And the problem with that is that a lot of the revenues are in their domestic currency, but also a lot of those revenues are linked to commodities. You look around the, the BRICS, the emerging markets, and a lot of them are reliant for their budgetary revenues on commodity prices that have gone south and continue to go south with no real end in sight. So for me, it's the commodity play and the debt burden, which is coalescing to go real, really risk off on emerging markets right now. But 4.3%, this doesn't sound that bad. It certainly wouldn't be bad for developed economies. Do you think there's a degree of scaremongering about this? No, I don't. I think there's still reasons to need 435 five and a half, six percent growth to justify going into geographies where you they have potentially quite unstable political backdrops, you're not quite sure on property rights, and you don't know the regulatory structure, the quality of the earnings reporting. There's a risk premium in there, and it, to, to be able to justify some of the valuations you're getting on emerging market equities, you would have to see levels of growth, as I say, four, five, six percent with that differential with 
developed market economies to justify that investment. But lower than expected growth, we do hear this a lot. Do you think perhaps the problem could be with the predictions rather than the economies themselves? The predictions, in, for my mind, don't take into account the, the changing demographic picture of emerging markets. For almost as long as we can remember, they have been growing their working age population. 2015 marked the year when the Chinese working age population peaked. And it is due, thanks in part to the one-child policy, but the ageing population also, to start to decline over the next decade. And there are lessons from history in terms of the Japanese working age population peaked in the early 90s. It then has had two decades, two lost decades of economic growth. The Eurozone economy peaked its working age population in 2013. It has struggled since that point. China peaked last year. For me, actually recognising that the emerging market demographic profile is changing and that will necessitate a change, a downgrading in growth, is a key part of what forecasters need to be doing and I think they're slightly behind the curve on this one. The World Bank talks about fault lines below the surface. What do they mean by this? Corporate governance is a big point. We are, as the world has looked at historically low rates of interest, historically low yields for as a, coming on to seven, eight years. Investors are rightly looking across the world for yield elsewhere. It's been called by Janet Yellen the hunt for yield, not only by Janet Yellen, but by others as well. And as investors have moved to go and find that yield in other jurisdictions, those fault lines get exposed because with sunlight you expose a, a level of scrutiny that may not be consistent with the standards that we are used to in developed market economies. And for me, those are the fault lines that are being highlighted and that in order to make that difficult transition from being an emerging equity market and an immature emerging market equity equities to something that more resembles what we are used to in the developed world will take time and there will be mistakes. There will be both policy mistakes and there will also be companies that are revealed to not really represent what they have been reporting to date. And what we've seen in Chinese equities over the last six, nine months has been a lot of spivvy-like behaviour both on the parts of investors and also some companies that haven't exactly been honest with the market, just being revealed. And while that scares investors, and, and rightly so, taken on a longer term view, that is a necessary part of that transition.